From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. I'm Matt Hunkler, CEO at Powder Keg, and I will be one of your hosts for today's conversation. I'm joined in studio by co-host Nate Spangle, head of community at Powder Keg. And on the show today, I've, I'm really excited because we've got a special guest, Ray Frazier, co-founder and CEO of Vital View. Once you raise a fund, you have about, depending on what kind of fund it is, you typically have 10 years to make investments, but then also start returning capital. Really pumped to talk to him today about his company. Ray Frazier is the co-founder and CEO of VitalView, and VitalView is a health tech IoT platform that is developing sensor technology to improve the hospital at home experience. And in today's show, I think we're gonna cover a lot of ground. One, I know that Ray has a background in acting, but I'm sure we're gonna talk about cross-sector innovation, commercializing research from top-tier universities, fundraising tips for early stage startups, and so much more. Ray, welcome to Get In. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's truly an honor and a pleasure. We are pumped, man. We, and we have some surprises today. So oh, okay. I, I All right. Ready. Yeah. When I was researching your background, you have such a unique story, man. Like you gave an incredible pitch at Powder Keg earlier this year. Thank you, thank you. And that was the first time I had actually really experienced the journey of what you're doing at Vital View. I want to talk about your background, but first for those who are listening, I don't want to butcher it. Can you give us like the elevator pitch on VitalView? Like what are you building there? Yeah. And what's the market opportunity you're looking at? Yeah, definitely. So at VitalView, we're very focused on the hospital at home. So what we're doing, we're a medical IoT company developing connected solution tools that care providers can use to help not only improve quality of care for patients, but also reduce unnecessary hospitalizations which is a huge cost in our system today. Yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, and how big is that market opportunity? That's gotta be like in the billions. Yeah, we're talking about um, definitely over 40 billion. Wow. Yeah, in terms wow. of the first opportunity we're looking at, which is improving care for congestive heart failure patients. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for us non-technical people, non-healthcare tech specifically people, can you talk to us about IoT? Just a 10,000 foot flyover of what is IoT? Yeah, definitely. So you're Internet of things. It, internet of things. For those who aren't indoctrinated in the acronyms of startup world. Yeah, yeah. And connected solutions. So think about having a sensor that tra is transmitting a signal in an environment and we're capturing the data that's on the other end of that sensor and just transporting it up to the cloud. Yep. Mm. And a lot of times the software is like turning that data into information, right? And exactly. Looking at patterns, looking at diagnostics and uh, predictive. This is very similar to, we had Ariana McGee on from Navigate Maternity. Yeah. And there, that's when I, we didn't talk about IoT in that episode, but that's what I'm getting the, a similar thing. Yeah, definitely. Some of the other terms you might hear of are like say, connected medical device was an example. And yeah, there's definitely a few names that you'll hear, but yeah, it's all about data at the end of the day. And you've been pretty entrepreneurial your entire life. Yep. Will you take us all the way back to your earliest entrepreneurial memory? Yeah, definitely. So I would say the, I would say when the switch clicked for me was I used to love buying toys or not buying toys, but getting toys when I was a little kid. Sure. 
And who doesn't? Yeah. And Holy favorite toy? Star Wars. Ooh. Oh, Star Wars, yes. man. Oh, I was huge. Like Star the original Wars trilogy or like the, the original okay. trilogy? Let's let's not get they're it not twisted. reboots. They're prequel, sequel. Yeah. The really the original is the best. And the originals are the best. Yeah. Okay. And, oh, <laughs> come on. They're the best. Oh, uh, no. A hundred percent. Huge Luke Skywalker fan. And I actually remember the last toy my dad bought me because that's where it all started. It was this Luke Skywalker action figure from Empire Strikes Back. We're at Kmart, wanted the toy. My dad looks at me and he says, this is going to be the last toy I ever buy you. Going forward, if you want toys, you're going to have to buy them yourself. So after that, I actually, we used to go down to the farmer's market on weekends. I went up to one of the gentlemen at the farmer's market Got a little job sweeping floors. Yes. And I never had asked my dad to buy a toy for me ever again after that one. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. How old were you? Nine years old. That's wild. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. And is Vital View the first business you've ever started that you've raised money for? Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, the first, um, this is the first one where I've actually raised external capital. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done, I've been a part of startups since about 2011. I've been a part of startups where I, um, started things up with a few classmates, been a part of those where I was an early employee. Most recently I was an early employee over at Lime Bike. Okay. Now Lime Scooters. Yeah. So that was a great experience. What? Yeah. No way. Okay. Tell us about the early as in what number employee at Lime. Oh, so definitely at that point we were probably in thirties, forties. Man, that is, that had to be a wild experience. What what were you doing there? So Notre Dame, not a lot of people know this, but Notre Dame and South Bend was one of Lyme's first case study schools, if Mm -hmm. you would. And what they needed was like brand managers, especially because they were dropping anywhere like a thousand bikes at that time. They didn't even have scooters yet. I, re- I remember this, right? Yeah. So I went to a wedding in South Bend three or four years ago, yeah. and they had the bikes that you could rent. And I was like, they don't have these in India. What's going on up here in South Bend? Right. And you'd literally rent these bikes all around South Bend. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, I see it coming together now. Yeah, so. Um, what, did, what did you learn during that experience? Oh, my goodness. I learned the power of storytelling, for mm. one. Um, just, um, trying to dumb down, I would say, a vision for people that they can get behind, gain energy from. I also learned the power of team. Not any one person. I've always been a part of startups where it was like very small or like solar entrepreneur. I learned about like when you're scaling a business, how to build a team in terms of looking at, for example, different personality types mm-hmm. and bring on people that kind of like balance you and gain energy from things that aren't necessarily, let's say, your sweet spot. We had a great leadership team at Lime. We also had really great investors as well that partnered with the company for the long term. So I think I learned a lot about what to do, uh, things to do correctly, and then also learning experiences along the way as well. So you've been part of startups, right? Since 2011, you said like pretty early employees, solopreneurs. Why did you want to go off and and start your own or, or build your own company? Yeah, I would say my parents are older. So my dad's 89, for example, Mm -hmm. and growing up, we unfortunately went to a lot of funerals, if you would. And you'd always hear about lives lived well, and then lives where there was a little bit of regret, wish they would have done this. But one of the things that's really important for me is impact in whatever I can do. 
And I saw entrepreneurship, whether it was from my father or whether from Joe Ruffini, he was the person at the farmer's market, as a way where you can impact the lives of not just your family, but your community as well. So I knew I wanted to throw my hat in the ring and try to help people. You had a really unique community at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about what was going on at Notre Dame at the time, what was going on in business, what was going on in innovation. I haven't been up there for years, yeah. uh, sadly, but I know that there's been a lot of initiatives to really bolster entrepreneurship on campus there. Yeah, I think the university has done a lot in terms of putting a flag down of saying this is part of their long-term vision that they want to provide students to be a part of, provide access to. When I got to Notre Dame, I went there for my MBA, and I started working in their idea center, which is like their innovation park, if you would. Um, I started off as an analyst, and then when I graduated, I started working as an entrepreneur in residence for their venture fund. So for the first time, I got a look from the other side Mm -hmm. of what these firms are going through in terms of just looking at deal flow, what's their thesis, and how they go about making decisions when it comes to funding a company. And I would say what areas they're interested in as well. So when you're thinking about overall alignment, it was definitely an invaluable experience. Any particular things that you learned when you were in that role on the other side of the table, looking at the deal flow, looking at all these different companies? Yeah, I would say it's definitely empathizing. Mm. Empathizing with investors, they definitely have... Um, a lot on them because they're beholden to their LPs. Sure. And it might sound like a long time, but once you raise a fund, you have about, depending on what kind of fund it is, you typically have 10 years to make investments, but then also start returning capital to those LPs. Mm -hmm. So that's why timelines are very important. That's why understanding various sectors are very important because if we really want to have a vibrant entrepreneur ship, I would say ecosystem. We also got to make sure that we're getting wins for these fund managers so that they can have a fund two, a fund three, a fund four. When people think about the coast, for example, you think about the names like Sequoia, A16Z, Battery Ventures in Boston. All of them have been able to return a lot of capital over the years, and that builds trust with their LP networks that help create that flywheel. Mm-hmm. So that was very eye-opening. Were there any tips for founders that you learned from the VC side yeah. that you apply in your fundraising experience today? Oh, 100%. One of the things that I've always um, tried to champion now is if an entrepreneur has a chance to even work for free, mm-hmm. volunteer at a venture fund somehow, some way, or just figure out ways to be helpful, whether it's like scouting, providing deal flow, it's all about relationships. And I found that it takes, by the time someone is comfortable to write, say, a bigger check, especially when you're beyond the pre-seed level and mm-hmm. looking at either a seed or a seed extension or a series A, those are bigger checks you're typically talking about. And they want to have an opportunity just to get to know you as a human being. Yeah. Put the business deck to the side. Assume that the technology works. Assume that you're going after a big market. Who are you? Mm -hmm. What are your values? Are you going to be here for the long term? Can I trust you that no matter if things are good, 
or if things aren't working so good, I can pick up the phone and just have a straightforward conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are there things that you saw entrepreneurs do that uh, were common mistakes in yeah. that realm? Yeah. So, and I think it can, we can get a little bogged down sometimes in just what we're working on. Sure. Because we live and breathe it every single day. And you're almost taught to, hey, work on your pitch deck, work on your elevator pitch. And if those things are correct, people will invest. I don't think we spend like enough time in terms of figuring out what other these investors are like as people. Um, what fund are they on? When did they close that fund? Just so that you can put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. to even understand if you do get a no, why it is and how you can best position yourself to not only they see the opportunity, but also want to be more invested in you going forward. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm trying to think of all the startup pitches that I've seen. There are a few that, that really stand out to me. Are there ones for you that when you see those pitches, you're like, oh, this is a pro, this entrepreneur gets it. What are those things that those entrepreneurs consistently do really well? I would say they, they do a really good job of simplifying mm. what's going on, whether who's the customer, what the pain point is, and how you're creating value um, in a few short senses that anybody could understand. Yep. Really simplifying that story and obviously being able to go deeper. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Any yeah. entrepreneur can, can go for days about their uh, startup or project. Which slide in your deck is most important? Oh, good question. Oh, I would say um, that that's actually a really good one. I'd say a couple. Oh, so four. Okay. So I would say, of course, your team. Yeah. Right. Because these are the people that are going to be in the foxhole with you. Yep. And then, of course, I would say your mission slide as well. Because, again, like whether times are good or I would say tough, you got to have that kind of guiding light that this is the reason why you're waking up every morning. It's going to help you just to power through. Yeah. Um, then I'll right there then just go to the pain point. Understanding why care, who really has the problem and just, just empathizing with them. You know, I didn't hear a single thing about Tam oh, that no. right there. <laughs> no. I, I'd like to dive just one more layer yeah. deeper on that. Yeah, You're yeah. talking about the team side is super important. Yeah. We have a lot of Midwestern founders that do not like to brag about themselves. Yeah. How do you write a really good team slide that features your own accomplishments? Ah, so I would say it has to balance out what you're good at. I think investors want to understand that, yes, you can be you know, a rock star, but if you can have self-awareness of understanding where you, what activities you don't have the experience with or you don't gain energy from, and you're able to build a team around people that are all stars in those specific points, mm -hmm. I think that's very important. More so than focusing on accomplishments or what makes you a rock star. Another thing investors want to see is, all right, if this is your founding team, how long have you guys been together? How long have you guys been working together? Is this just something that came together in the past three or six months? Or have you guys worked together over a number of years? They like to see that because mm -hmm. they know over a number of years, that's when you go through the real work. Yep. And that's how you really know that someone's going to be there at the end of the day. So take my two, actually my three co-founders. 
we've been together for over four years now. Wow. How did you all meet? Yeah, so I met Dr. Rick Snyder. He's one of the top cardiologists in this country. He's actually a Notre Dame grad. And he was working with the Innovation Center. And he's the one who identified that, hey, if this faculty research could have an impact in the healthcare space when it comes to a monitoring and a connected solution could be created, it could create a lot of value when it comes to not just helping people, but decreasing costs in our system. And not only did he want to be an advisor early on, but he also wanted to be an investor as well. Mm. He started simply advising two days uh, a month in terms of the overall steering direction while it was still incubating at the university. And did you know that this this was going to be your company at the time? No. Right at that point, this was just something that he and I both found interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was making progress while I was incubating it at the university. And it just flowed, the Mm -hmm. relationship. Next thing, when I was looking at figuring out how we were going to productize the technology. I got the chance to meet my CTO, Chris Rao, who actually happens to be one of the top minds when it comes to commercializing RF sensors. Mm -hmm. He would had a long career at Texas Instruments, and I literally found him by cold calling a bunch of different, say, vendors, if you would. Not only, it, it was funny, he also had a Notre Dame degree as well, But again, he started off simply just advising the company Wow! in terms of because he just really loved this kind of technology. And over, say, six to eight months, when we figured out that, hey, this was actually going to be spun off into a company, it was natural because we just loved working together and we balanced each other out. And then the fourth person, our COO, Cassandra Adams, only one not a Notre Dame grad, but when it came to the clinical side and the regulatory side, those were aspects that she was actually an expert in. Mm-hmm. She spent a lot of her career doing that for medical companies. And again, it just flowed. And what I also made sure to do was that they, they met each other. Yeah. And you could also see that the personality types really interlocked very well. We each brought something different to the table and that's how you make magic. Yeah. I love it. You, you said the term incubating. Well, while yeah. you were incubating this company at Notre Dame, can right. you talk to us a little bit about what that process looks like? Yeah. So when you're talking about especially federally funded research, it, it's typically very novel and it can have multiple applications in terms of different sectors that it can go into. So a lot of that incubating is talking to a lot of various subject matter experts in different sectors to figure out, okay, where is the most impact where this can truly be differentiated Mm -hmm. and helpful and settling on one go-to-market. That's very clear. To give you an idea, the research that VitalView is based on had applications within defense, industrial, ag tech, for example, but Med, the healthcare space is definitely where, after we'd done all the research, done all the exploratory brainstorms, is where we wanted to go first. Mm-hmm. It, when you looked at this opportunity, 
Was there a time where you like knew like this was it? You needed to be a part of this full time? Oh, oh, hundred percent. Take us back to that moment. Yeah. What, so what was going on? How long had you been working with these folks? I would say I'd been working with these folks for about two, two or so months. Yeah. If you would. And I had experience in IOT from my time with Lime. Sure. And so it's just you're instead of doing connected micromobility solutions right now, we're doing connected tools for care teams. Yeah. And so I could understand like how the technical infrastructure would look like. But then I understood that, hey, if this hit on some really big themes at the time, which is big data. Yeah. While there are a lot of sensor devices out there that can get you the same kind of data sets, whether it's like heart rate, things like that, that multiple people can do. If you were able to have software that could extract different unique data points that mm-hmm. others couldn't, mm-hmm. that could lead to a lot of different opportunities. Take our first use case with congestive heart failure patients. 90% of hospital readmissions from CHF patients are because of what's called fluid overload. The key metric there is measuring total body fluid, change in total body fluid. And unfortunately, there aren't sensor devices that can do that today, especially in a non-contact way. So using this faculty research, we can get the underlying raw data set necessary to provide care teams that measurement. And what can they do with that measurement? This can lead them to step in and provide preventative care services that are necessary prior to a costly hospitalization. The average hospitalization for a heart failure patient is over $15,000, you know. So walk it through. You talked about the, the key to a good pitch is simplicity. Yep. For the listeners that might, are starting to put it together of what you're taking to market, first thing, beachhead, yep. lay it out in a simple way for us. Yeah. Uh, when you okay. Can you rephrase that? Yeah. The current, I, I remember when you pitched, you talked about like your current product, the first product you guys are bringing to market, the actual sensor, and then how it all works to reduce hospital visits for for congestive heart failure patients. Exactly, yeah. 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 So I would say the first place to start is simply putting things into numbers. Mm-hmm. So for example, in my case, there are over 900,000 hospitalizations that occur each year. For heart failure patients. That's a big problem. Big problem. Is that rehospitalizations? So those are hospitalizations in general. Okay. And then one in two patients are readmitted within six months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's in, in terms of numbers, if you think through tech stuff, like 50% back in the, not yeah. good. Not, like good. not good. Not good at all. Not good. Yeah. And then when you add in the average cost mm-hmm. of each of those hospitalizations, then it's wow. Okay, $15,000 each one, that, that, that's, that can get pretty expensive very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And then the key data point after that is that, all right, when you're looking at those rehospitalizations, 90% of them are due to the fact of fluid overload. And if you had this one data point, it could help so much when it comes to impacting and reducing those hospitalizations. And is your product, we talked about this with Navigate Maternity. Is this like a prescription? Like it comes out like you, someone experiences congestive heart failure, they're discharged from the hospital and they get a prescription to a vital view sensor. Exactly. And the sensor, I think I remember from the screen, it goes under your bed. Right. It's a bed sensor. So basically we're able to take nightly readings 
um, right before the patient goes to sleep. That's amazing. Yeah. And this, these things, like, I, I love these kind of episodes that, like, brings the cross-sector innovation, right? The hard tech, the physical yeah. sensor with the software, the data, and how it all works together. I wear a Garmin. Yeah. People wear Apple Watches. Like, there are all these pushes into, like, the the health tech space yeah. and, and the cross-sector innovation of that. And it's, okay, heart rate, pulse. Like, I think I have VO2 max on this thing, and it's, that makes sense. But I have to wear it everywhere. Right. Matt has a whoop. You have to charge it every night. Like, yeah. And you have to remember to take it on and off your wrist and put mm -hmm. it on. I feel like naked these days if I go out <laughs> without it. Uh, but just being able to like, I just see like this huge opportunity. Obviously, you want to stay very dialed on what you're yeah. doing. But like the opportunity to lay down in bed and like all the different readings for your health that could come from that. Like yeah. That's really exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Like one of the things that if you think about trends that you're going to see going forward are we're called like say ambient sensing room sensors that when you just walk in you're able to get those key data points mm -hmm. um without any wearables mm. one example that dr snyder likes to bring up is star trek yeah so like in, in the early episodes they would have this i think it was called a tricorder and it's like this bed sensor where you go lay down on it and then all these data points magically just come and appear and they know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to get to the point where that kind of device is very possible. Yeah. And that kind of like really excites me about the future. Are you ready to transform your brand with award-winning video content that captures your vision and connects with your audience? Check out Alchemy, the experts at building your brand using video. From story-driven social media snippets that leave a lasting impression to compelling full-length documentaries, they have got the expertise to take your brand to the next level. Alchemy is actually our video partner here on Get In, and they do amazing work. All of the videos across social, uh, across YouTube, all that is done by Alchemy, and, and they're an amazing partner to work with. Reach out to me, Nate, at Powder Keg, or check out alchemyfilmco.com to get connected with Alden and his team. They will take care of all of your video needs. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other things that you're excited about in health tech, you know, yeah. maybe that Vitalview isn't even doing currently. Yeah. What are some of those things that um, you've seen come out recently or you anticipate will be coming out soon? Yeah. So like we all know about that inflection point when ChatGPT really said a statement in a way of, hey, generative AI, it's no longer a thing. It's actually really here. Yeah. And the regular person can use it and find utility. I think that it's going to have, when you just think about clinical AI, mm -hmm. for example, when it comes to these algorithms that you see, a lot of it came from having to do a lot of manual development. With clinical AI, a lot of that algorithm development is going to be able to be done what used to take months mm. in seconds. Wow. So there's just going to be using neural networks you're going to be able to see a lot more data points come out in the future and it's going to be able to help a lot of different people which is what i'm like excited about yeah that's really cool yeah any other tech i would say i'd say clinical ai is the the, the big one yeah that i'm seeing right now yeah that's yeah. huge i um I, I think it's so fascinating that you're taking all these different experiences from your past applying them now at vital view and it all incubated at Notre Dame. Yeah. And sometimes academia doesn't always get the best uh, reputation as a place where innovation can happen. Research can happen there, but then the actually innovating it and getting it to market yeah. is really challenging. What are some of the things that you think Notre Dame does well to like actually take that research that's being done on campus 
and and get it to market? Yeah, I would say one of the things the university does pretty well is not just put a lot of emphasis on their alumni network, mm. if you would, but also taking long-term bets. And I think they've definitely gained a reputation that, hey, if we're going to try something out, their partners can really understand that, hey, they're going to do this for the long term. Yeah. And whether it's a win or kind of like how Marcus Freeman says, hey, we either win or we learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to learn and they're going to try to come back better. Matt, Marcus Freeman is a football coach for the <laughs> Fighting Irish. Okay. He's our resident Matt sports guy. Matt a sports guy. Doesn't know ball. I grew up going to Notre Dame football games, but I don't remember any of it. I, I more remember the like hot dogs and. Oh, know, the tailgates. Yeah, the yeah, tailgates. The tailgates oh, are yeah. definitely legendary. Legendary. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Growing up, yeah. I So I'm from just south of South Bend, so mm-hmm. have had my fair share of Irish tailgates, and it's a great time. And it's awesome to see all the new developments happening in South Bend just overall in general. We had an episode with Bethany Hartley, and we had... Oh, Bethany's awesome. Iris yeah. Hamill. Yeah. They're doing some amazing work. Who's oversees the Idea Center up there? Oh, so it's Kelly Rich. Kelly okay. Rich. Yeah, all right, so that might need to be a future, future yeah, episode. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. I would say Kelly's definitely a great when it comes to not only, say, setting that vision but then that execution mm-hmm. of it, because it's a daily, especially when you do those long ranging missions, it's a daily program. Yeah. And it really takes really getting into the weeds to figure out how to make things work. What are some of the ways you've seen the Idea Center and just Notre Dame in general evolve over the last several years? Yeah, so one of the things I saw was, of course, they started with the Venture Fund. Yep. That allowed them to really not just look at it from the research university lens yeah but also step into it with investors and under and i always bring up that word empathize with what they need to be successful yep then they're now going on to doing a fund two right now that is going to also have a venture studio component mm. that i found very interesting i think they're working with the high alpha team down here in indy so i think they're also doing that great job of not just focusing on that south bend network but extending to the other great resources that we have here in the state so smart i love that we mentioned educational background one of the things that i find so interesting is uh, a decent number of our guests have have a background in theater yeah tell me a little bit about that for you and how that's applied to your own entrepreneurial journey if at all oh yeah i would say naturally i'm actually a bit of an introvert yeah and i get that and one of the things with that I loved about acting, it got you on stage, it helps you have a presence, and also get turn some of those, I would say, areas that necessarily wouldn't be strong points for you to figure out what you really love about them and to be successful. Yeah. So besides public speaking, because obviously there's like a one-to-one correlation of yeah. acting helps with public speaking, mm-hmm. what are a few other lessons you learned in your time as an actor that applies to what you're doing today with Vital View? Yeah, I would say also storytelling, yeah. because one of the things that I was a part of was looking in theater, a theater group throughout high school. And one of the things that we would do is write our own scripts. Mm-hmm. So we'd always have to think about that audience of, all right, what are they going to find compelling? What words, your word choice is very important as well. And trying to, like, say, bring people into that story with you. I think that is a superpower. Like whether it is you're given a slide presentation in college or you're like 
whatever, like you're a data analyst or whatever. Yeah. Anytime you're presenting something, really telling the story and putting yourself in the audience shoes is going to keep people awake. Yes. Like even if the most boring subject, if you have someone who's a captivating storyteller, it can make all the difference. Oh my goodness. Like you, you'll see it in movies, yeah. for example. Like some of these directors, say a Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. for example, I would say he'd be probably one of my favorites. So to your point about subject matters that could seem very put you to sleep, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. Whether it's how does Christopher Nolan tell a story? I, what, what do you like about his style? I would say he focuses on every aspect in terms of what he can bring in to keep you engaged. Mm. Whether it's music, for example, that's very big, as well as say actor selection. He yep. typically likes to work with actors he he knows or he's built a rapport over a number of years so they could have that one-to-one relationship when they get on camera or in those rooms. Another thing that he does is, I believe, no um, cell phones are allowed on set. It's all about being and gets just automatically just engaged yeah. with what's going on. I think there's so much, you're talking about one-to-one relationships there, one-to-one yeah. relationships with investors. Yeah. Like it, it all comes back to it's about these relationships. Yes. I think yes. that's so powerful. I'd like to talk, as we're getting close to our time here, yeah. I'd like to talk about where Vital View is today, yep. kind of like how far you guys have come thus far, and what's on the roadmap going forward. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, like, one of the things that we did um, that was very pivotal for the company last year was that we had our human proof of concept studies, were, which were third-party studies that were led by um, a, a clinical research organization that went phenomenally well. Uh, we just hit another milestone in terms of having design freeze on what our product's going to look like for going to market. Yeah, And now we're getting ready to close on a round of funding in order to say, help us like take that next step and hit some huge milestones that we have set up for 2024. Congrats. Thanks, man. That's so huge. Yeah. It has been really awesome to root for you, learn about Vital Views, early success and momentum. We came up with a game. Oh, this game may be a terrible idea, but we're going to give it a shot if you're down to play. I'm down to play. It seems like you are. This is an either or game. Okay. We created these. This or that, right? Yeah, it's a this or that. You can only pick one. So it's right. a binary game. There's no wrong answers. This is yeah. very personal, right? Because yeah. it, it probably depends on the kind of company. It depends on the kind of entrepreneur. This is just for you, yeah. uh, Ray mm-hmm. Frazier. Uh, which would you prefer? And why. And, okay. and why. All right. Ready? First, first two. A lead investor or a strategic investor? Ooh, so this right now, I would say it all depends on stage of the company. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're an early stage company, lead investor is huge. Now, when you're getting um, closer to, let's say, an A, B, C, then you're going to want your strategic investors, but your lead investor, because they're going to, they provide, let's say, early customers for you. They also provide, I would say, credibility for you as well in Mm -hmm. terms of getting in the market. Your lead investor is like in the foxhole with you. Yeah. And then they live and breathe the company as well. They also are the person that those other investors that are part of your syndicate look towards. Yeah. In terms of leadership and guidance. 
So yeah, great answer. We also forgot to, the name of the game is fundraising flashcards. Ah, oh, nice fundraising flashcards. <laughs> and for our our, our uh, listeners that are just listening, if you go to YouTube, you can see all the fun visual fundraising flashcards. All right, next fundraising one. Fundraising flashcard. Ready? Boom. All right. Hot tech or traction? Ooh. So hot tech would be like AI, yeah. blockchain. Not so much now, blockchain. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you rather have hot tech or traction? So again, this would be stage as well. Yeah. Hot tech to start the company. Yeah. Because people want to know what's the moat going to be. A lot of these investments are going to take five to seven years. Competition's going to come. Yep. And you're going to need to have protection. Traction when you're going from that pre-seed to seed and series A. Yep. Because then it's all about how have you been executing yeah. with other investor money. I love that. Great answers. Round three, fundraising flashcards. Yeah. These are fun, three, guys. Two, one, boom. Great pitch deck or an amazing product demo? So one will, I would say this one that will always win is going to be the great pitch deck to get an amazing product demo. As we get more and more into tech or the evolution, I feel like back in the nineties, it'd be easy to do say a product demo with some duct tape. Sure. Nowadays, especially if you're talking about hardware, software component, mm -hmm. it's going to take some investment. So I'd say start with the pitch deck, be able to tell that story and then, yeah, amazing product demo. Unless you're going on Shark Tank. Yeah, I'm unless you're going on Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring yeah. that sucker out there. Oh, if you can bring team. that, if you can bring it out there, there's nothing that beats Next a level. great demo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. All right, fundraising flashcards, round four, three, two, one. Profitability or momentum? Oh, see, all these are dependent on like stage. <laughs> we try Moment to make these tricky. Yeah, so like momentum, definitely especially if you're pre-revenue. Mm -hmm. And I would say markets that are, let's say, high regulation, like whether What would the momentum be in a pre-revenue company if the momentum isn't revenue? Yeah, so in terms of, say, healthcare startup, yeah. that there's an FDA track, it's all about clinical data. Yeah. Do you have good data? It's a yes or a no. <laughs> um, and so you typically want to start looking at fundraising after that, right before or right after, or like you have say a good meeting, whether it's an FDA pre-sub or something like that. But then profitability, again, once you get there, nothing beats profitability because that also leads to product market fit. Those investors can then go and talk to. Wait, profitability leads to product market fit? It's exactly. not. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because your first customers are going to tell you not only what works, what they love, but what you need to fix. Yeah. And those investors can have that real conversation like, yes, you are first customer, you wrote a first check, but is this something that you really need or when times get rough, are you going to drop this product? I yeah. want to do a quick, quick sidebar. So yeah. Do you have advice for getting those first couple customers? Yes. The ones that are not going to be like, oh, this doesn't work exactly how it's supposed to be and I don't want it anymore. Yeah, 100%. This comes down to relationships. Before you need them, start reaching out. Yeah. Like a um, I would say, and give those relationships a good, like, say, six months. If you would just go reach out, tell them a little bit, hey, what you're building. Mm -hmm. Because, again, those first customers are going to be in the foxhole with you, just like that lead investor. I also wouldn't try to go in there, think that you have it all figured out. Be very transparent in terms of where you are, the type of help that you need, the kind of impact you want to have. And... I find that not only allows them to be very honest with you, hey, are you solving a problem? But even if you're not seeing it fully, they can help guide you mm -hmm. and mentor. 
Uh, I think that Indy especially is doing like a great job in terms of like those networking events for various sectors that are really good. We just had the rally conference a couple of weeks ago. Such a great event. I think TOEF and the whole entire Elevate team is doing an amazing job when it comes to bringing these people and stakeholders that can be very helpful together. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Great answer. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for the last one? Yeah. Fundraising flashcards. Yeah. Here we go. What'd Final you choose? round. Final round. Final What'd boss. You choose? Industry relationships or brand awareness? Uh, I'd say again, stage, industry relationships comes first. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it's not just about whether you have like that one, in, one investor or, or the best product. If you're going to get it out there, you're going to need to have all those stakeholders that are in that ecosystem involved. And if they're not even involved on a day-to-day basis, understand their vantage point, what they're looking for, because they're the ones who are going to make you successful, especially in the very beginning. But then when you reach a growth stage, like a series A or a B, it's all about brand awareness. Mm. How important are industry relationships in health tech specifically? Oh, very important. Yeah, very important. I would imagine, especially. Like, I would say, arguably, like more important, like software, but in health, it's like such a, it just feels gated to crack into that. Yeah. It's very complex and difficult. And you talk about FDA track and all this stuff. And yeah. I feel like industry relationships would be super important there. Very important. Very important. One of the things I do love about that community is that they do galvanize around each other. And I, I think, like, one of the things that really excites me about healthcare is a lot of silos that used to be around are really coming down. That's going to lead to a lot better opportunities and outcomes for not only patients, but I would say our whole entire ecosystem in yeah. general. Yeah. yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, It's a very exciting time. I appreciate you, one, sharing your journey. Yeah. Two, Thanks. humoring us with uh, fundraising flashcards. Those are great answers, yeah. by thank the way. You, thank you, thank I'm you. I'm very that excited our, to share that. Uh, that. That was good. The the visual segments are still new for us, and, and these are going pretty well so far. Yeah, I agree. And if listeners out there have other ideas for segments that they want to give us, please let us know. We're all here for it. Yep. We do have one final segment, all right. if you're down to play. It's the uh, lightning round. Lightning round. No yes. wrong answers. Okay. No wrong answers. Right. Quick, first thing that comes to your mind, we have three questions for you. Got all right. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem, what is Indiana known for? I'd say sports. Ah, uh, wrong. Yep, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the amateur sports capital of the world. Uh, uh, I'm, a, yeah. I'm sorry, Matt. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, hey, the Irish, uh, one, one loss, it's all right. That was a crazy game with Ohio State, but they're going to bounce back. Yeah. Again, like Marcus said, we win or we learn. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we I, learned think there's a, I think there's some guys from the West Coast coming into town in a few weeks, uh, the USC guys, uh, that I, I think that the Irish will handle them. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. I think we're looking forward to that it, one. That's what the, if, so if Marcus says you either win or you learn, people in the tailgate lot, either they either win or they have fun. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. No matter what, you're going to have a great time. That's Encourage exactly anybody right. to come up for What is a hidden gem in Indiana? I'd I'd go and say the dunes. Mm -hmm. The dunes are good. I'm also a foodie. So St. Elmo's. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Those are both great answers. And I'm surprised no one has said the dunes yet. No one has. Tove has a stat. He can break it out. It's like we have so much, like 45 miles of coastline on Lake Mm -hmm. Michigan up there. Mm -hmm. It's wild. The dunes are fun. Like you look at it, because I think that's right there, Lake Michigan. 
it looks like an ocean. Yeah. Nobody can't tell me that's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't see that other side. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Final question of the lightning round. Who is someone we need to keep on our radar? Someone who is doing big things. I'd go ahead and say Sean Hawkins. Who so, is Sean Hawkins? So he's part of Pier 70 Ventures. They're actually one of our co-leads on our round. I just think like he also used to be a part of Eli Lilly Ventures mm. as well. So definitely loves Indiana. I think that when you look at those who are not only in it, but are thinking long term, I think he has a great mind. I think that everyone over at the IEDC, Ryan Locke over there is doing big things. Aaron Gillum for 50 South is also doing big things. Absolutely. And then some of the great guests that you guys have had, like We're Bethany Hartley yeah. is amazing. Oscar Morales. We need um, to get Oscar on here. Yeah. I would say. He's uh, in the building. Yeah. He, Oscar, come downstairs. Oh, yeah. I think one of your guests might have brought him up, but. Yeah, he's definitely another one as well. Mm, yeah, great answers. I could ask you another hour of questions, but we are totally at our time. I'm sure you've got some blue by. Go Investors yes. to close or deals to, yes. to ink with some hospitals. Yeah, great. Um, Thank you so much. This yeah. was amazing. I do want to say yeah. to the listeners, if you want to get your company represented on Get In, you want your startup, your organization, send us three large t-shirts. We'll give you a minute ad read. We'll talk about you and what you're doing in the community, but send them to 16 Tech. Uh, here in Indianapolis and address them to Nate or Patterkeg and we'll give your show a shout out. Um, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was amazing. Guys, Congrats on all the success me. with yeah. Vitalview. Oh, thank you guys so much. We I appreciate it. And yeah, this was a lot of fun. We had a blast. Yeah. This was good. This has been Get In, a Powderkeg production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for a guest or a segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top-tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powderkeg executive community, check out powderkeg.com premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.